0: You're listening to the lawn care business success podcast brought to you by Xmark manufacturing. 30 years of pioneering spirit and innovation have resulted in legendary durability, all day comfort and unmatched cut quality. Go check them out at Xmark.com. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. The weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 410, entitled, The Pros and Cons of a Lawn Care Franchise. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, and of course, for the questions, the comments, the feedback that you guys have been sending through. Really do appreciate that. hope you guys are all having a great uh, start uh, to your. Seasons, and hopefully, all of you guys are in uh, places where uh, lawn care has started for you if uh, you're on uh, in a place where it's uh, more of a seasonal type uh, of uh, business. Uh, at least here in North America, I know. Um, A lot of you guys uh, down uh, in sort of Australia, New Zealand and all those uh, types of places, uh, you're heading towards uh, your winter season. Uh, We're here uh, in North America. We're kind of heading towards the summer season. Uh, So, yeah, hopefully uh, everybody's uh, working hard. And, uh, you know, uh, fill in uh, up those uh, bank accounts, uh, cause it uh, is the season, right? You want to uh, be able to, uh, uh, get that work, uh, and uh, do as much as you can, uh, while uh, the getting is good. So, uh, this week's episode, as I uh, mentioned there with the, uh, you know, um, thanks for the questions and comments and feedback. This uh, episode this week is based on uh, one of those uh, questions uh, that I got in uh, this past week. And I thought uh, it would be a little bit of an interesting um, deep dive into uh, one that I, I think I've covered in the past about uh, my experience with the franchise system that I started out in. But uh haven't talked about it for a bit, so I thought, uh, seeing as this question uh, was based on that, that I would uh, talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, but before we get into that, just uh, a couple of uh, reminders there uh, in terms of uh, if you're looking to... Uh, go to the uh, Expo this year, to the Equip Expo in Louisville, Kentucky in October. Uh, now is the time to book those uh, tickets and uh, cash in or take advantage, I guess uh, it would be the proper uh, word there, uh, to take advantage of that early bird uh, pricing that they have out on tickets uh, because those discount codes apply uh, to the, uh, price of that early bird pricing. So, uh, with uh, my discount code of 50% off, uh, you can apply that to that early bird pricing, uh, and, uh, get 50% off that already, uh, lower early bird pricing. So, uh, this is uh, the time to, to do that, to, to book in advance. Uh, and I think it works out to like 1250, uh, this year, $12.50 U.S. for uh, your show pass for the entire event, for the entire three days of uh, the Equip Expo. So uh, absolutely uh, something that you want to do uh, to be able to uh, take advantage of those savings. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, like I said, they do it sort of in stages. So right now they got that early bird pricing and you get the discount off of that. At some point, I can't remember off the top of my head when the early bird pricing goes away, Um, but uh, the early bird pricing will go away. It'll go to regular pricing. The 50% off will work at that point as well still, but it'll be off that higher uh, price. And then, of course, uh, then they uh, will announce... Uh, a date, uh, where, uh, those discount codes, uh, no longer apply it's closer to the show, uh, date. And then, uh, your only option at that point will be, uh, then buying tickets at the door. And that is, uh, a lot more expensive, like, uh, just, yeah, just so much more expensive. So, uh, definitely worth, uh, taking the time out and, uh, you know, thinking about whether you're going to go to the show or not uh, and kind of making those advanced arrangements. Uh, so if you're interested in uh, doing that and using uh, my discount code, it's uh, Julio. Uh, and uh, you can uh, look in the podcast show notes. I have a link there to the Equip Expo uh, 50% off uh, uh, code there. Uh, you can also go to uh, lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash equip. And that'll take you right to the Equip Expo registration page with that uh, discount code already applied. Uh, so a couple of ways uh, to do that as well. And speaking of discount codes. Uh, on each and every uh, podcast episode in the podcast show notes, there are uh, a bunch of discount codes uh, for things like uh, the Equipment Defender Racks and uh, uh, Cujo Yardware and Isotunes uh, products, uh, a bunch of different uh, coupon codes for you guys to use if you're uh, interested in uh you know, purchasing any of those products, uh, you can apply uh, those different discount codes that I have available there. Uh, Like I said, uh, in the podcast show notes of each episode, you'll find those discount codes. Uh, Also, uh, if um, you're interested as well, you can go to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com and go to the resources page uh, on there. And uh, there's a bunch of different uh, coupon codes as they're uh, listed there as well, uh, that you can uh, take advantage of uh, in your business. So uh, on uh, with the show here. So I wanted to um, do this week's episode uh, based on a question that came in. Uh, This question uh, came from somebody named uh, Jamie, uh, who emailed me. Uh, I'm not going to reveal their last name. Uh, and they just uh, went on to say, Hey, Julio, hope uh, you are having a great season. Wondering what is the easiest way to start up. Uh, we have handed out some flyers for the past few weeks. We've done some, a few estimates, and nothing has panned out. I know you went through Jim's uh, mowing when you first started out, and I'm wondering if it's worth it. For the price you pay for the franchise and uh, the trip uh, to Australia... I'm looking at, uh, $35,000 to $40,000 to start, plus, uh, the $700 in change, uh, uh, of, uh, franchise fees every month. Uh, if you could give me the pros and cons and guide and a guide on how to attract clients. I've listened, uh, almost, uh, to every uh, podcast you've put out, but it's too much information. Uh, have a great day and looking forward, uh, to hearing from you. So, uh, yeah, so uh, if a lot of you guys don't know, um, yeah, I've talked a bit about uh, the franchise system that I was a part of that I bought into, a lawn care franchise, Um, and uh, this person is correct in that uh, the franchise is called uh, Jim's Mowing uh, here in Canada, Um, but it started in Australia uh, by a guy named Jim, uh, who uh, ironically... Uh, was mowing lawns uh, on his own as uh, so like a single uh, owner operator, uh, and while he was going uh, to school, I might have some of the details fuzzy because it's been a bunch of years now since uh, I was in Jim's uh, mowing, um, and also, um, uh, you know, just uh, knowing the details about his story. Uh, so I'll I'll try to remember, uh, but uh, basically he. Uh, was mowing lawns to kind of pay his way through school uh, is how I understand it. And uh, when he finished his sort of university and got his degree, uh, he was... uh, You know, finding that he was actually much more successful uh, in terms of, uh, you know, earning an income uh, with his lawn care uh, business than what he uh, was going to school for, uh, if I remember that correctly. Uh, And uh, in Australia, it was very common to do something called selling rounds. Which was basically as you built up your client list, as we've talked about in this podcast, uh, where you, you know, you build up your client list and. Uh, you know, you're constantly adding new clients, uh, but what you're doing is you're always looking for those like really um, higher end clients. And so what you do, because you can't service all of them, especially if you're a single you know owner operator like uh, this Jim was, uh, he basically then would package the clients that he didn't like, would put them together, basically in a uh, like a, they called it a round, uh, or basically like a mowing route. And he would advertise them for sale. So he was basically selling um, little lawn care businesses. And uh, he would advertise them and sell them. Uh, And then he would, you know, continue to build up his business again. And as he would go along, then he'd package up a bunch of clients again that he wasn't really interested in keeping and then sell those off again. And then I guess uh, at some point came the idea that, uh, you know, instead of selling these clients like he was doing, that maybe he should franchise them or franchise his business and then he'd be able to collect that reoccurring monthly fees on top of uh, that initial, you know, purchase price. Uh, and that's uh, ultimately uh, what he did and became very uh, successful there in Australia doing that. So much so that uh, the company then... Um, went to franchise other things. Uh, now, if you're familiar with that franchise, you'll know that they have these little uh, tr- uh, kind of trademark looking uh, little green trailers with uh, yellow writing on the side uh, that say that company name and they have uh, the picture or face of that gym person on the sides of the trailers uh, so what they did was they had all these different branches that they decided to do. Uh, they had, uh, franchises for, uh, like mobile, uh, like auto detailing and for, like, uh, uh, dog, like dog washes, um, for, like, concrete services, for accounting service. Like, literally, they had, like, 30 different divisions, uh, of all these different types of services all as separate types of franchises so the mowing was one franchise the uh you know dog um like grooming was another franchise the concrete was another franchise and each of the divisions uh from my understanding was uh, a different color trailer uh but all with the same sort of font and same picture of the face of this person so you could see these sort of um trailers all over australia now i haven't been to australia to verify that but that's what uh, i understood Uh, and at one point i believe they had um you know back when i was in the franchise i think they had like about 2500 franchisees um in a couple of different countries at least three countries possibly four countries at that uh, point when i was in it um so yeah it's you know a a pretty large uh, franchise system and uh, that's how uh, I got my start. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, uh, dabbling in lawn care uh, when I had a job. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this in the past where I would just get a a lawnmower, uh, my homeowner lawnmower and uh, uh, my $99 weed eater and a broom, basically, and would put some flyers up and stuff. And It was really just, you know, experimenting, trying different things, just kind of dipping my toes in the water. Uh, But then at some point I decided to take it seriously um, and was really thinking about going out on my own. Uh, and doing you know a business, um, and I had tried lots of businesses uh, before that, um, but the franchise kind of system really kind of appealed to me at that time. Thinking that it's kind of like turnkey; they take care of everything for you. You know, you basically uh, for this particular one, you would get a, a trailer, um, you would get uh, your uniforms, you'd get like support, you'd get some training. Um, your equipment and all that stuff, all for this like package price that you would buy into. Of course, there was then reoccurring like monthly um, franchise fees and stuff like that. Uh, but my whole thought was that, um, you know, and I've talked about how introverted I am. Um, so I thought, you know, maybe a franchise would be perfect because they would get the work for me. And I would have to deal with that. Like, I have no issue doing the work. But in the beginning, it was that kind of like that finding work um, was the thing. So basically, at the time, uh, I believe it was, you You know, you would get um, a franchised uh, like a territory that you had, like the first right of refusal in. So basically, they would outline a territory for you um, that you would obviously have a a hand at picking, unless obviously somebody else was in that territory already. And they would usually try to do it around where your house was. Uh, but the territory was basically just like a thousand a thousand households in that area that you were, that, that was basically what was defined as a territory. And so basically any calls that came out of that territory would go automatically to you and you had the first right of refusal. So basically what that meant was that any calls that went to their central office that originated from that territory would automatically go to you and You know, if you wanted the work, then you could go and quote that job. If you didn't want the work, then they would put it out to the other franchisees. So even though you had a territory, it wasn't uncommon to see other franchisees working in your territory because you may have refused that work. um, They may have gotten those clients um, before that territory or area was your territory, you know, uh, because obviously, there's going to be areas that are not um, where there's not a franchisee in every spot. uh, So there's going to be some open areas. And when those open areas when calls originate from those areas where there is no franchisee, it just basically will go to whoever the closest franchisee is that is still looking for work. So you could go on like a list basically and say, yes, I'm on for work or, and what types of work do you want to Cause that, that franchise would do a whole bunch of stuff. They would do, um, you know, like gutter cleaning and Christmas lights and they advertise like a bunch of different services. So if you were on for everything, then any type of call that came in would go to you. If you were more picky and choosy and only wanted to do lawn mowing and stuff like that, you could let them know. But then, and the same goes for your own territory. If you only wanted lawn mowing type clients, then those calls would come to you. But if somebody in that territory wanted, um, say gutter cleaning, and, you know, even though it was your territory, if you didn't want to do gutter cleaning, then they would, you know, put that job to the next available person. So you could ultimately have another franchisee come in who's willing to do... um you know, a gutter cleaning. And if they built that relationship with that client, and then it turned into, you know, wanting some other stuff done, and maybe eventually reoccurring lawn care and stuff like that, because that client is, is you know, obviously going to make those arrangements with that franchisee from then on, they're not going to call the office anymore. Um, you know, you could end up with a franchisee who has lawn care clients in your uh, territory, because it might have started out with a gutter cleaning or something like that. So it was uh, a bit of a um, you know, a bit of a learning curve uh, from the beginning uh, with that system. So um, yeah, so it was a bit of a, a learning curve. Uh, and uh, it took a bit of adjustment to, to kind of learn the ins and outs of that uh, kind of system. So uh, I'm just going to take a quick break. And then uh, we'll get back right into it right after this. So stay tuned. At Xmark, we've poured decades of leading-edge engineering and old-fashioned work ethic into our Laser Z, the pioneering commercial zero-turn rider More Landscape Pros Trust. So now you can experience cut quality, performance, comfort, durability, and reliability beyond your wildest dreams. Stop by your local dealer or visit XMark.com to experience an Xmark Laser Z and the attractive financing offers available now. Okay, so back, uh, you mentioned a couple things uh, with the franchise. Uh, the prices are always fluctuating throughout the years on the franchises and buying franchises unlike, or sorry, um, uh, just like any other franchise. Whether you're looking at um, you know buying a Subway franchise or a McDonald's or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, the franchise and the pricing and stuff, what I paid back then versus now, you know, things are always going to change, um, you know, and what guys paid before me years before would have been different. Also, those uh, uh, monthly fees and stuff like that. So I'm not going to get into too much uh, on the pricing because the pricing is always fluctuating. What I will say, though, is you mentioned uh, the trip to uh, Australia Uh, That is, I'm assuming, because uh, their home base or head office uh, would be in Australia. Uh, So I'm guessing that they're doing some sort of training or something now. When I purchased the franchise, there was no requirement to go to Australia uh, and uh, do any training or meet them or anything like that. It was uh, all based uh, with a local office here in Canada uh, that uh, had uh, sort of the territory rights to Canada. The regional franchisor. Uh, so there was no um, need for me to go to Australia or do any of that. Uh, so, some of the benefits I would say. So, I'm going to preface this by saying when I bought the franchise, so I was in the franchise for five years. Uh, that's all I lasted. And I think initially, like your franchise agreement. Um, initially, I think it's like 15 years is what the initial agreement is for. And then once that expires, I'm not sure exactly what happens when that expires. Like once the 15 years expires, if you had to pay to renew it, um, or you would just, conti- I think it would just continue on. Um, I can't remember for certain. Um, and again, things might have changed, uh, over the years, uh, because a lot of uh, things have changed a lot of uh, different things The original franchisor that i bought uh, the franchise off of is no longer the franchisees not involved the his family's not involved uh, apparently anymore um uh, so you know a lot of things change over the years and and that can come with other uh rules and changes that go with whoever is in charge of it now uh, but like i said there was no requirement for me to go to australia um but some of the the perks I would say um, that attracted me initially to buying a franchise um, lawn care company was one I had no previous experience doing um, you know like I'm running a landscaping business um, I had dabbled in a lot of different businesses I had started a bunch of businesses uh, over the years and a lot of those, all of those businesses, I would say, failed. Um, And now looking back, as I'm older, I look back at those businesses, and I know they failed for one reason, and that reason is me, Uh, pure and simple. Um, But back then, when I was younger and couldn't really see um, the forest through the trees, it was a blame game, right? It was always another excuse. There was, there was some excuse that was preventing my, those businesses that I had started up from truly, you know, succeeding. So part of the, um, original sort of enticement of a franchise was, I thought that was sort of the, um, the, answer to my problems in terms of starting a business I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur it was in my uh, blood so to speak it was something that you know every job that I had I would do well and I would work well and all that stuff but ultimately I just did not like doing shift work I didn't like people telling me when I had to be to work what days I had to work what days I could take off um all that sort of stuff it was always that sort of clash um I didn't like other people deciding my ultimate f- uh, fate. Um, for example, one of the last businesses uh, or jobs that I had um, where I worked for that emission vehicle emission testing station, uh, that was a union job. And it was good for the fact like the union was good because the wages were higher than if it wasn't a non-union, uh, Mm. job, but it was bad because seniority came into play and a lot of people took advantage of that. Um, and you know, it didn't matter how hard I worked or how well I worked or, you know, what extra things I did or extra training I did. If the lazy guy that did none of that. had long, you know, more seniority than me, then he got all the perks. He got to choose his vacation first. He got to do whatever the case, you know, everything first got to have whatever days they wanted off first. Uh, and I was stuck with all the garbage shifts and stuff like that because I didn't have the seniority, even though technically my training in that job was higher. And I was considered a supervisor. And literally having to, um, you know, if um, in that emission testing station, you'd have to like collect money and stuff like that, you'd have to um, from clients as they came in to get their testing done, you'd have to recalibrate the, the uh, fancy testing equipment and all that sort of stuff. Um, so because of the extra training and stuff that I did, I was able to do all that. I had keys to the place. I'd have to open in the morning. Sometimes some shifts I would close at night. I'd have to cash out all these guys, count all the money, put it in the safe, all that sort of stuff. And with even with all of that responsibility, if I wanted a Saturday off or something would happen, you know, if the guy with more seniority who was lazy as could be wanted that, you know, Saturday off, he would get it uh, just because of the story. So, the, you know, there was always these conflicts. So, you know, being an entrepreneur was always the thing that for me was like that freedom was like that. No, I gotta be, you know, uh, I don't play well with others. I gotta be by myself, uh, doing, uh, what I need to do. So, uh, that franchise was kind of that, um, the answer to that at the time. Um, it had a lot of the things that I liked it, uh, you know, off, off, like I said, had that sort of thought that it would be bringing me the work. So that kind of played to my, um, you know, past businesses where I had, where I always thought, you know, the hardest thing about the businesses that I was starting was getting those clients, getting those initial clients and starting out and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, um, I always made it the excuses that, uh, you know, it was just too hard for whatever, whatever the business was. Like I said, there was a number of them that I started, Uh, and you know, clients getting jobs, that sort of stuff was the toughest. And I knew ultimately now looking back, like I said, that the issue was always myself with that, uh, that now I could literally go jump back into any one of those business, whether it was, uh, like a couple of, uh, examples, I had a security window bar business doing, uh, you know, custom home security, window bars and stuff, installing them, selling them, all that sort of stuff and any sort of like locks and door hardware and all that sort of thing. Uh, or one of the other businesses I did was a mobile graphics, vehicle graphics, had a sign machine, was doing uh, vehicle graphics, like the signage on my trailer, that sort of stuff. Um, and doing signs for businesses and, and, and all those things. And ultimately, like now I look back at any of those businesses and all of the other ones that I started, uh, where some of them I had for a year or a couple of years or whatever the case may be. And they were always part-time because I always had to have another job. Hey, it was always just kind of getting my feet wet and starting out and, and all this sort of stuff. And each business that I started always looked better than the last one and, and all that. And now ultimately I look back going, you know, the problem with all those businesses was me. It was just not, um, taking the bull by the horns and going out there and doing what needed to get done. And, you know, looking back and connecting those dots, I know that I could now literally jump into or back into a sign business or back into a window bar business or whatever the case, any of the businesses that I had in the past, and I could make them successful now. I know what it takes to do that. That it would be not uh, you know that missing piece of the puzzle that was always elusive to me um, ultimately was me was my inner strength was learning those things and getting over myself, getting over my uh, shyness and all that sort of stuff, and just going out there and and getting it done and doing the research and figuring it out what's what works today what doesn 't work today how do you market? things are always changing. When I started my business, you know, I did flyers and all that sort of stuff. Uh, all those basic things. I had yellow pages ads. Um, I remember one business that I did, uh, might've been the security bar one where I was paying, I think it was like five or $600 a month and a little tiny, like one inch by two inch display ad in the yellow pages book. Um, you know, and for you young guys probably don't even know what a yellow pages is, but it's like a business directory book, big, huge, fat book that would come to every household and listed all those businesses alphabetically. And it was very expensive to have your business in one of those books. And I had just a tiny ad and it was, you know, five or six hundred dollars a month for that uh, ad. Uh, and once it was in the book, you were committed like you had to pay that monthly fee uh, unless you went like uh, uh belly up in your business um, because they had printed those books and those books, books were good for one year. So, you know, once you committed, you committed, you had to pay uh, those monthly fees on uh, those, uh, that ad, uh, because, you know, it wasn't like an ad they could change every week or anything like that, uh, like today's age with digital marketing and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, there was a lot of, you know, lessons to be learned, a lot of things that I tried, but it was those things, those, those times where it was just like, what works today, uh, figure it out. You know, marketing is always different. You think about what, you know, you can do today with Facebook ads and Instagram and other social media and kind of making yourself uh, an expert in your field locally uh, and getting a lot of business uh, through that uh, and just, you know, using social media to your advantage. Um, you know, uh, one of the things, uh, an example, kind of off topic here, but an example, scrolling through Instagram, some of you guys may have seen this uh, guy. Uh, I keep seeing on my feed about some uh pizzeria in, I think it's in New York somewhere. Um, I think it's called Marcello's or something. And there's this uh, dude making these TikTok videos uh, about pizza. And I think his nickname Sally Slices. Um, so anyways, he's like blowing up on social media, right? And it's interesting because you see now each of his videos features him selling, you know, his slices of pizza and he'll ask the person that comes in and they'll say you know where are you from and then the person you know says where they're from and it doesn't matter where they're from he always says hey right down the street right it's like it doesn't matter whether you're halfway around the world or or literally right down the street he'll say you're right you know just right down the street then he'll say what can I get for you my man and then they'll say you know the type of pizza they want and then he'll say uh, do you want a corner or do you want a side because all his pizzas are like rectangular shaped and then whatever, you know, whether they say a corner or side, he'll say, you know, uh, uh, good choice, my man, or whatever the case may be, right? And then he invites that that person to come uh, around to the, the other side of the counter where he's working, and he'll say, do you want to come and bless the pizza with me, right? So he has this, like, tray with the slices of pizza that the person's ordered. The person comes around, now they're both on camera, and uh, he kind of waves his open, like, palm... Hand over the pizza, almost like he's waving like a magic wand or something over the pizza, right? And uh, he says the best, right? But it's funny you with this guy with his little shtick, um, you know, his little gimmicky um, kind of uh, little show that he puts on. He's blowing up on social media, um, and. What's interesting now is that his business is also blowing up. Uh, And I saw an interview uh, with his dad who actually started the business and that sort of stuff. And his his dad gives all the credit to his son for, you know, going on social media and, you know, kind of creating this character, whether it's, you know, him or a character, I don't know for sure. But doing that little shtick kind of uh, show that he puts on. And But what's interesting, like I said, he invites the person over and he always asks where they're from. And it's so interesting to see now that there's people from all over the world coming and going to this little pizza joint to get a couple of slices of pizza and just to, you know, go through that experience of him asking you what kind of pizza you want. You want a corner or a side? Where are you from? Right down the street come to the other side of the counter, come bless the pizza, you know, and to go through that experience. So his business is blowing up in a way that, you know, if you told other people to do that in your business, you know, he found a unique way to, you know, leverage social media to stand out from all of the others uh, because that was another thing i heard in the interview was that there's you know there's a ton of pizza places around uh they also have a unique uh, pizza flavor that um and a unique story that goes with that flavor uh where they you know flavor and kind of a style of how they make that one particular type of pizza that they make uh, and they actually have it like um trademarked and they have like the patent or whatever to this like recipe uh that came with this like folklore story of how this recipe ended up in their family's um name or how they got this recipe from somebody back in Italy and they weren't allowed to make the pizza or make this particular recipe until that person uh, died and all sort of stuff so they have this story this folklore this whole thing and it's just an interesting story to see how somebody's, you know, taking these little unique bits that make them different from everybody else, uh, package it together on social media, and it's attracting people to come and um, from all over the world to come and get pizza from you know this little pizza place from Sally Slices, uh. So you know, just a, a interesting example there to kind of you know answer your question on how to get clients. It's you know I used to always say and think when I was starting my business about um, you know just like think differently. Think about you know guerrilla marketing. Um, I believe the term is called like what is it that you can do differently. Um, and kind of, you know, low budget, um, you know, that the big companies aren't going to do, you know, the big lawn care companies, the big, you know, pizza places and stuff like that aren't going to do what Sally Slices is doing on social media. The big lawn care companies aren't going to do some of the, you know, things that you might think of doing, like uh, I was talking about, um, you know, uh, in the beginning, in those early years in the community that I live in, l- doing things like the um, it's like a tighter knit community. There's a lot of community based events. Um, like, for example, every Christmas time, there's a uh, Santa Claus parade, they call it where a lot of local businesses will decorate their vehicles and then they do this big long parade route and you have all these local companies that have their, you know, vehicles and trucks and trailers and whatever the case may be, all, you know, decorated with Christmas lights and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, doing something like that and to kind of, you know, get into those community events. There's also, um, these other, like right now, this weekend, uh, that just passed, uh, in, um, the uh, that little uh, community that I live in called Cloverdale. I've talked about how it's like a little farming community and they host a rodeo every uh, year. Uh, And um, this year was the first rodeo that they had back this past weekend uh, since the pandemic uh, from this rodeo that they've been having on for decades uh, going on every year. Uh, So there's this rodeo weekend um, uh, and there's uh, like horse race track and all stuff, all just down the street from where I live. Uh, and uh, so during, they have all these community events and one of the, the events is called bed races. where in the middle of sort of that, um, that I've described in past episodes as sort of downtown or sorry, small town USA, uh, this old, uh, you know, very historic street uh, that's used as the backdrop for many movies and TV shows here uh, because it looks like small town USA. Uh, even though we're in Canada here. Uh, And uh, so they do these bed races down there where basically they have these bed frames with wheels and you get a a team of like five people. So you have uh, four people on each corner of the bed and then one person rides on the bed and you literally sprint down the street pushing this bed with your team mate on the bed all the way to the finish line then you have to turn around and come back and then you're competing against another team beside you so it's like drag racing down the middle of this small town usa street except it's four people pushing a bed that's on wheels with a fifth person sitting on the bed uh, and then they push it back so you know um there's teams made up of different community, uh, you know, groups and things like that. So that's another thing. Like it could be, you know, a landscape being company that, and I think one of the local guys, uh, local, um, uh, lawn care companies here as well has done that. They've entered, uh, uh, that bed race in the past with their employees and stuff and, and done that. Um, another thing is they do like a, uh, Halloween, um, type trick-or-treating thing on that same street where all the businesses get together and uh, during the afternoon and all the kids, uh, get together and then they go, um, sort of organized, uh, store by store and, uh, doing something like that. And I always thought, Hey, it'd be cool to, um, uh, you know, uh, cause they'll come down one side of the street, then they have to cross the street and then go up the other side of the street and the street's blocked off. It's got police, um, blockades and stuff. So there's no traffic allowed on that street while this parade, uh, of, you know, Halloween candy is going on. So I thought, well, that'd be pretty cool. Instead of the kids walking, you know, just across the street, across nothing to get to the other side of the street. What if we set up like, you know, a lawn care company's truck and trailer, you know, parked sideways, um, blocking the street. And then you could have the police barricade on the other side of that. Uh, and then that way, as the kids come down the business, you know, going to each business, they, cr- they cross the street, alongside the, you know, local lawn care company. And those guys are handing out the candy to the kids too, as they walk to the other side of the street, just to be involved, to get your name involved, because all those kids are being escorted by all those parents that own the houses that live in that community. Um One of the other ideas that I had in the past was like hey when you're not using your truck and trailer it's doing no good for you being parked in your driveway so why not take your truck and trailer and park it on a busy street in your neighborhood that gets maybe more traffic uh, just to get that brand recognition all those cars driving by and this is something i see all the time with like the 1-800-GOT-JUNKS and uh, the competitors to those guys um where you know, on the weekends and stuff, when they're not working, there's always these strategically placed areas where they will park those trucks, uh, where they're in line and visible to lots of traffic. So that they're and it's funny, because now you'll see the you know, when 800 got trunk drunk truck, but with the competitor trucks beside it parked in those same spots uh, with all the traffic to kind of, you know, just get that rolling billboard. So why not put it uh, in traffic in different areas where it's going to be seen if you're not using it? Um, You know, another thing I thought was, hey, parking at the Home Depot on the weekends, they're, you know, rocking there, the garden center in the spring and summer. Um, If you're not using your truck and trailer, drive down there. You know, do some shopping. Leave your truck and trailer parked there by the garden center. It's advertising. You got all these uh, homeowners going in there. All there's these do it your do it yourselfers might be picking up some things and stuff, and then uh, see your truck and trailer. If your branding's on par, or so your branding's you know, uh, you know, hitting uh, hitting it good, and you know, a memorable name and all that sort of stuff. They're going to see that. They're going to remember that. And they might get home and decide that, hey, this project's too big for me. This project's too much work for me. I don't have the right tools to do this project. You know, and they might remember, hey, that That company, right? You could have business cards in your window uh, for people to take or I've seen little like magnetic sort of things that stick on the side of a trailer or something like, you know, take one, you know, a flyer or whatever that's in there and you have that just strategically parked there, right? Hey, you're just shopping, you're just doing your thing, but your, your rolling billboard is there. So, there's lots of ideas to sort of think outside the box. Um, definitely would, if I was starting all over again, would be researching Facebook, uh, ads, targeting that, because that's still massive. Uh, the demographic uh, of Facebook is older, uh, I believe, and those older people are the homeowners. Um, and being able to target your ads directly in the neighborhoods and communities and stuff that you want uh, is so powerful. Um, Even doing it uh, without paying for ads, uh, joining community groups on Facebook and all that sort of stuff. Uh, But definitely leveraging social media if you're starting out. uh, You know, it's with clients, it's all about that look, uh, sorry, that uh, no like and trust factor, right? a customer who has, you know, a couple of calls, a couple of estimates to do they call, you know, different companies and they don't know anything to differentiate any of them. Right. Think about that. If you're calling three random companies, you don't know anything about any of them. You're going to kind of go off your gut feeling. You're going to go off of, you know, how they sound on the phone, whether they answer the questions that you are asking and stuff like that. But now if that company has a body of work, that you can already look to on social media, they've got videos, they've got photos showing the quality of their work. They've got, you know, a website. Say you've got a whole bunch of, you know, short clips and things for, you know, uh, Instagram stories or reels, I guess it would be uh, more appropriate things that that would be able to look up. Uh, But, you know, giving tips for your particular community on lawn care, on things like that. Well, you know, as they start to see and, and, you know, Listen to those and watch those. They start to build that no like and trust factor uh, with you. Um, so you know, by the time you know they're looking for quotes and stuff, they're already going to be if they like what you're already producing, they like what you're talking about. They can see the quality of your work in your social media and all that sort of stuff. That's already selling them on that, right? Uh, the other thing I would do is, you know, once you do start landing some of those jobs, try to ask for a couple of reviews uh, for Google and stuff like that, uh, because that just adds that social proof uh, for people uh, to, to know, right? It's the same with this podcast is why, you know, you'll hear podcasters always asking for reviews. And if you're listening to this and you haven't reviewed uh, the podcast yet, what are you waiting for? Get out there, (laughs) drop a review. If you're, you know, especially if you're a regular listener listening to each and every week, uh, then, you know, uh, give back a little, Uh, drop a review on iTunes. Let me know what you're thinking. It's that social proof that we're all looking for, right? Because that attracts more people, attracts more people to listen to the show. It grows the show when it's your lawn care business, those reviews attract more clients. Uh, and uh, you know, sell the job for you over your competitors, because they start to see that social media, especially if you're on camera, you're talking, you're, uh, you know, doing those types of things, it can really make a difference. So those are some of the things that I would do, I would think outside the box, try the normal, you know, you can try the dropping the flyers and all that sort of stuff. You know, in terms, there's so much, and I understand there's so much information, um, even just on this podcast, as you mentioned in um, that email that you sent, that there's, you know, you've listened to almost every episode, but there's so much information. There is so much information, but, you know, it is your life that you're talking about. And you're going to have to do the due diligence. You're going to have to parse through the information. I gave you a couple examples here. Um, I can't care more about your business than you care more about your business, right? So I can't invest my time into your business if you're not willing to do it. You have to be the first person willing to do it. Get out of your own way. And this is me, older me, talking to younger me, not necessarily talking to the, uh, emailed, uh, or the person who emailed, um, you know, stop making excuses. Stop finding reasons why it's not working. And focus on reasons why or focus on reasons or ideas to try to make it work, right? If you, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So you know, if you're putting out flyers, and it's not working for you, then stop putting out flyers. Don't waste your time putting out flyers. If it's not working for you, try something different. Don't keep putting out flyers, putting out flyers, and then blaming the flyers that it's not working. You know, what, whatever the case may be, and I'm not saying that flyers don't work. They, you know, they do work. They're very popular for people. Um But my point is just just to get out of your own way. Stop making excuses. Stop thinking about ways why it's not working or ways why, sorry, not ways why it's not working because it's always good to assess, um, you know, why things didn't work. But stop looking for ways why it won't work before you've tried it and just try different things. Try and see, Right uh, Wayne Gretzky, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. You got to get out there. You got to try different things. You got to think outside the box. Think of those creative ideas. Like I, you know, just went through a bunch of them and figure out, uh, what, what it is uh, until you find that thing. Um, step out of your comfort zone, get into social media, get, in front of the camera, start doing videos, start posting tips, start showing your work, start being confident and proud of it. I always say, uh, you know, if your lawn care guy isn't taking photos of the lawn each week, then you've got the wrong lawn care guy. doesn't matter that he's you're mowing the same lawn each week. Doesn't matter that the photo that you're taking is the exact same photo that you took the week before, and the week before that, and the week before that. If you're not uh, excited about those new stripes that you just laid, or that new edge that you just put down, or how good that lawn looks today over last week, then you're doing something wrong. That's why I say if your lawn care guy isn't taking photos of the lawn each week, something's wrong with your lawn care guy. He should be so so I have so much pride in his work and that's will speak volumes to more clients, um, that you don't, know, you care about their lawn. So you're going to have to do the due diligence. The information has been laid out. The information has been provided over the years. You're going to have to listen to episodes. You're going to have to, uh, parse out those little bits. There's not one magic pill. What works for me may not work for you. Um, you know, you might have to do a combination of things you have to, uh, you know, people can't hold your hand necessarily. Uh, everybody's different. Every situation's different. Every area is different. You're going to have to just figure it out uh, through trial and error. That's just uh, the way it goes. Uh, and, uh, you know, use that advice. I've, you know, I've plenty of examples, plenty of emails and letters from people who have used, information that I've provided on the podcast, and they have, um, you know, seen success uh, with it. Um, you know, I, I remember, you know, and not to toot my own horn, uh, but I remember a particular email that came in once where the person was literally saying that I changed their life, but not only their life, their family's life, uh, that they were ready to give up on their business And just by listening to the podcast and implementing some of the ideas, they literally turned their business around in a year. Uh, And uh, they were just so grateful for it. And so it's there. The information is there, whether it's my podcast, other people's podcasts. You got to sort of, you know, parse through it all, pick and choose the things to try and try them, try them and see uh, what works for you. You may have to tweak certain applications, certain things uh, to figure out what works for you. Because like I said, everybody's business is different. What works for me may not work for you. You may want more out of your business, you may want less out of your business. It's all that sort of a thing. Now, Going kind of long on here, but uh, to sort of give the pros and cons of a uh, a franchise business, I would say at first, like I said, is a. Fr- I, I used to always say that when I bought my franchise, that when people would ask me how it's going, I would always say to them, "Buying a franchise is was the best thing I've ever done." Five years later, when I left the franchise. About ten years short of my initial contract, of uh, you know, uh, my franchise agreement was for fifteen years. I left after five. I said, my so my my tune changed from buying a franchise was the best thing I ever did to leaving the franchise and going on my own was the best thing I ever did. And I know there's a lot of people. I I know lots of franchisees that are still with that company who were there before me and are still there. It's different strokes for different folks. When I when it comes to franchise, it completely depends on the person. For me, it was good to have that sort of initial training although that was only really about a week or so that they put me through, uh, sort of training where I just kind of rode along in the truck with somebody. And, um, or maybe it was two weeks, uh, rode along in the truck and basically got to, you know, mow lawns and pick up some tips and tricks and, um, kind of see, you know, got to learn what they were charging for each of the lawns that we were mowing to kind of give me an idea of, you know, what the going rate is for for mowing lawns and stuff like that. And, you know, generally the area that I'm, uh, you know, live in. So that was good. One of the best parts about the franchise was, um, the monthly meetings. And now they would have these monthly meetings where you would go and they would sometimes have a presenter or something like that. And that was all fine and dandy. Occasionally you would have a good presenter. Sometimes it was, you know, not so great. But the best thing about it was just hanging out with the other franchisees uh, each month and being able to pick their brains on, hey, what are you doing? What's working for you? What's You know, you could pick up a lot of tips, a lot of uh, motivation, a lot of uh, inspiration from talking to other like-minded people. There also wasn't the social media that there is now uh, back then when I bought. And you know that social media, that camaraderie and stuff that you can build on on social media with other businesses, I see it all the time. I see those connections that people have uh, through social media, uh, who you know, some people who may not have ever met in person, and you see these camaraderies and stuff happening and these friendships being built online that has kind of taken the place of that. Now, yes, it's nice if you can get a group of. Landscapers together and do like a monthly sort of hangout at a pub or something, and just to do the same thing because that's basically what it was. It was basically at a pub that we would go to, uh, one night a month, and just you know they'd rent a room in the back uh, to do the presentation or have the guest speaker whatever, and then you'd go out to the pub, have a pint, and uh, chat with uh, the guys uh, about um, you know their businesses and stuff like that, and that was uh, you know one of the most valuable things. What I liked about the franchise system was that it was very kind of like that 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I, you know, I've always been a sucker for that, for uniforms and trailers and all that. And the and the uh, franchise, you know, introduced me to that. The other thing about the franchise that I liked was, or that I got direct benefit from, was the, the equipment package, right? So the equipment package... I was forced to use high quality equipment right from day 1. Now, if I was starting off as a solo uh, you know, single owner operator type business, I probably would have not spent, you know, $1200 on a Honda push mower. I probably would have just used a homeowner push mower. I wouldn't have seen the value in that. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't have went for cheaper equipment starting out. And I got to see the, because I was forced to use that stuff because it was no exception. You bought the package, you bought the franchise, the franchise included the package of equipment and it was all high end equipment from the mowers to the, um, you know, trimmers to the ladders that you got to the hand pruners. Um, you know, everything was uh, high quality, like very high quality, um, you know, um, equipment, uh, top of the line stuff for whatever it is that you're, you know, like push mowers, it was, uh, because I'm in the dense city. So, you know, push mowers were the, the mower that was included, right? So, uh, the Honda HRC 216 was the mower that you got. Uh, and then there was a your choice uh, for different uh, blowers and stuff but it was all steel commercial stuff that I got uh, when I initially uh, picked up um I believe I got one of the um uh steel combi systems with my package and then I opted for uh, cuz they gave you two um one to do trimming one to do uh, hedge trimming and stuff and have like a spare or whatever I opted to do one combi system and one Honda four-stroke, uh, gas trimmer. Uh, so I did that. Um, so regardless, it was all, you know, very top of the line stuff that I wouldn't have otherwise went and bought even the hand pruners, um, more like, you know, $90 hand pruners versus, you know, maybe the, um, you know, $10 pair that I probably would have bought, uh, you know, for hand pruners and stuff. Right um so it was just all really good quality stuff but like i said the first year into it i learned quickly as soon as there was a, a breakdown or an issue how parts were available how you know the mower just you know mowers and trimmers and blowers they were meant to be used all day long and they didn't complain they didn't you know wear out as easily um and you know that first Honda push that that original one that i got with my package i still own today i still have it uh and I use that mower every day for 10 years doing probably 90% of the mowing I did, uh, with that, uh, initial HRC 216, just workhorses. And like I say, I still have it. Um, and, uh, you know, the body or the deck on it's all rotted out from all the rain and stuff we get and always mowing wet grass, but the motor and trans transmission on that thing, uh, just, you know, we're still going strong the last time, uh, I tried to start it up. Uh, and it's just one of those things, right? So I saw the benefit of that. That was one of those big benefits. Um, now, you know, on the negative side of a franchise, I would say that some of the things I didn't like was, you know, I really love the branding and the uniforms and all that stuff, but there was a lot of guys that I started to see other franchisees where they weren't, um wearing their uniforms, they would be wearing old jeans, or old this or that, or not wearing the shirts and not wearing the hats, right? And I was bought into that. That's what I liked, because those people, you know, each one of the franchisees represents everybody else. One of the things with that franchise being called a guy's name, you know, having somebody's name on the side of the trailer, was most uh, people didn't realize it was a franchise and they all thought that that person driving that truck and trailer, that they were Jim themselves, that that was your face on the side of the trailer. So that could get kind of, you know, uh, sticky situations sometimes, because I remember one guy, he was always at the bar in the middle of the afternoon and his truck and trailer would be there. Right. And then I'd get comments from clients saying, you know, hey, I saw you on Tuesday, your, you know, your trailer is parked there at the whatever the bar was, right? And it's like, yeah, that's not me. <laughs> right? Sort of thing. So I started to see that, yes, you know, in this sort of franchise system that everybody represents everybody, but not everybody's taking that responsibility the same. They're not, you know, there might be old ripped clothes, they might be leaving the trailers to rot and get rusted and stuff like that. And maybe, you know, tail lights not working and things like that. And just kind of a you know, I'm a mess going down the road and that's representing me because I am a franchisee as well. So that started to take the shine, take the polish off of the franchise for me. The other thing uh, for me with the franchise was um, the the franchise war that I had at the time seemed to was more focused, I felt, in selling more franchises than helping the franchisees out. Um And ultimately, that's one of the things why I decided to leave, because I was like, you know, it just I had all these ideas because I had started so many businesses in the past, so many different things that I for marketing and all that stuff to attract new clients. And one of the, for example, like, I'll give your example of flyers. Under the franchise system, if I wanted to drop off flyers, I could do so, but they had to be generic franchise flyers, um, advertising services, but I couldn't have my own phone number on them. They had to have the office number on them. So for me, that was a sticking point because I was like, yes, I'm willing to go out there and knock on doors and, you know, get clients for my lawn care business. But what's the point? if I can't have my own phone number on here, because if, you know, I go and do all that work and drop off those flyers and, you know, somebody happens to be interested and now they phone the office. Well, if there's, if I can't have any of my own information on there, then that office is not going to know who dropped off those flyers. And then they're just going to put that, you know, Bid for workout to whoever is the closest at the time for that job, and somebody else might benefit from me going door to door putting flyers. So there's a lot of things like that that it couldn't do. You couldn't personalize anything to do with franchise. You couldn't have a website for your own franchisee or you know your franchise of that that business or anything like that. It all had to be under the umbrella of the you know the main brand and stuff. And for me, ultimately, it didn't work. When I started to realize that. I could do much better on my own um, with the ideas that I had for marketing and stuff like that than, you know, being under the franchise, that's when I ultimately decided to, that there was no sense in not only buying a franchise, but paying that monthly fee, that monthly mortgage, that monthly extra payment every month for as long as you're a franchisee. It was like, and then having to pay on top of that for every lead fee or call that you take and all that sort of stuff. It was just like, this makes no sense. I could literally do this better on my own. Now, this is where I say it's different strokes for different folks, because for me, like I said, I am entrepreneurial. I've always you know, thought about a business for as long as I can remember. I've tried so many different businesses. I've always said that it doesn't actually even really matter what the business is, as long as I'm just in business for myself. So if you're like that, then a franchise is not for you. Then absolutely, um, a franchise is not for you. Looking back at franchises, because obviously some of them are successful, like, the you know, a McDonald's or a Subway or something like that, Subway sandwiches. If you're going to buy a franchise like that, and you, you know, part of that is that name. Obviously, the biggest part is that name recognition, right? Um, and that's one of the biggest things that you do when you buy a franchise. You're buying it for the name, right? You're buying it for that brand for that recognition, because that's what's going to bring in clients from day one is that instead of starting from zero, you're starting with, you know, um, clients that know, like and trust that brand and will come in. Now, here's the caveat to that. If you're buying a McDonald's, if you're buying a Subway Sandwiches, those are location-based services. Those are where customers are coming to you, to your location. In that respect, a McDonald's, a franchise like that with a big brand, I think is good. Because it gets you started right from day one, you know, You've got uh, that company behind you to help you pick the right equipment, to choose the right things, to, how to lay out the restaurant properly, how to put you through training and all that sort of stuff to get you going. And as soon as you open those doors from day one, customers are going to be coming in and buying your Big Macs and buying your footlong sandwiches and all that sort of stuff. With a lawn care business, despite it being um, a recognizable name, Because of the nature of the fact that the clients call a central office and that central office controls where that work goes, it's not the same in my experience. Um, There was a lot of cases where I found new franchisees would come on and they would be getting work, regular lawn mowing clients and stuff, in my territory. And I would ask the regional franchisor about it. And their response would be that they're just sharing the love is literally what the franchisor said to me one day. And I was like, but it's my territory that I paid for. And I'm on for all work. I I'm not on the list for not accepting lawn mowing clients. So why is this new guy getting clients in my territory? So that was another point of contention for me, where it was like, this is, you know, really kind of loses all appeal to me. Uh, When, you know, a lot of the guys are, you know, not wearing uniforms, not, you know, uh, keeping their trailers up, stuff like that so it's not really quite that and you know work is being kind of not really following the rules in terms of how the work is supposed to be distributed and stuff like that that's where i was like you know what a franchise like this where the central office controls you know has a call center that all the work goes through i don't think has the same weight as like a franchise where it's like a location brick and mortar like a mcdonald's location or something like that where clients are going to come to you who are in the area who see those golden arches and come through and want a Big Mac, right? The central office isn't controlling the clients coming into that location. Um, So there's a bit of a difference there. So now that being said, there's a lot of people that, you know, when I look back and think about some of the people that I know that are still in the franchise system and stuff like that, and still there, and some of them are content, and they just may not be like me. Right. They may not be willing to do that marketing, willing to try those different ideas, willing to do all that stuff and are happy with, you know, being under that umbrella of that brand. The only thing with that that I don't understand is that even if you're in that situation, there comes a point where you get enough clients and you're full and you're not taking on any more clients and you're still stuck paying that franchise fee every month. And, you know, whether it's 500 bucks, 700 bucks, a thousand bucks, whatever the case may be, whatever the franchise agreement is, it just doesn't make sense to me to after being through it and being in it. I don't care what the franchise is for lawn care. I've heard I've seen some new ones popping up. Uh, I would never consider a franchise again ever. Um, it makes no sense. Why do that? Why build up somebody else's business and somebody else's dream when you can do your own, when you can pick your own branding, pick your own company name and do it. It doesn't take much. I will tell you that I thought when I left that franchise company, you know, they say when you start a new business, it takes a few years to get off the ground and stuff. And I thought the same. I thought it was going to take like three years. Uh, Starting from scratch under my own name, no clients, uh, leaving the franchise, moving to a different part of the city, that it'll take me probably about three years till, uh, you know, I'm good. It took me six months. Under my own branding, because I was strategic, because I was methodical about it, because my branding was on point. People took to it just you know instantly the amount of compliments that i got from the branding other people who thought i was a franchise who uh you know i had multiple occasions where people came up to me and asked me if there was franchises available of my own brand name because of that so i may have picked up on that that look that vibe and stuff from that franchise company that i was part of but remember, I had been modeling my business and studying, you know, kind of that influence from 1-800-GOT-JUNK and all that stuff. It's what initially attracted me to buying that franchise in the first place was it was similar to the sort of that 1-800-GOT-JUNK that I had been a fan of to begin with. So I'd always been a student of that, of that branding, the uniforms and all that sort of stuff. And for me, and and kind of focusing in on the company name that I have and, you know, being in the sort of tight knit community that I'm in and kind of modeling it, you know, thinking about that, thinking about that with the website, how it would be super easy for people to remember because, hey, I mow lawns and I live and work in the community of Cloverdale. So Cloverdale Mowing and CloverdaleMowing.com you know, somebody sees me in traffic, they don't even need to write down my phone number. The website is right there. It's so easy to remember. We're in Cloverdale, lawn mowing, Cloverdale mowing. It's like simple, right? So it just worked out. And because of all those sort of pieces and really thinking about that, when I went out and was building that branding and that stuff, it just all came together. And it was so like, I was doing better and in my own business six months in than I had been with that franchise company. So the power of branding, the power of kind of thinking outside of the box um, went a long way. And like I said, for me, I still think there's value in franchises, but not to do with lawn care or gardening when it's that sort of like a mobile type thing i don't think it holds the same weight as something that is like a brick and mortar type franchise like a mcdonald's or a subway sandwiches or something like that to give an example or like a chevron gas station or something like that uh that is you know equal you know in a franchise where it's a location where customers are coming to you if it's a franchise where a head office controls that flow of uh, work that comes through then it's uh I don't think it uh, it holds the same weight. And I would not uh, invest in something like that uh, again, personally. But like I said, different strokes for different folks. There's guys in the franchise that are perfectly happy with uh, sticking it out and doing that and working for those clients and paying that monthly fee month in and month out. Uh, for me, just doesn't make sense to do that, to pay that each month. Um, once you're full, once you've got all the clients that you've got reoccurring work all the time, um, being able to change policies, however you want, um, you know, it's kind of difficult to, I talk a lot about policies last week's episode and all that stuff, having service, uh, you know, agreements, all the you know, those sorts of things very difficult to do under a franchise system when, you know, everybody's different, uh, you know, and then, you know. Client talks to one person, it's this policy, and then they talk to another franchisee, possibly, and it's another, or they have a friend who's under, you know, has a different franchisee from the same company servicing their lawn, and it's, you know, a different policy, different. It just doesn't make sense where you have that complete control and freedom under your own name and brand. So, no, I would not recommend a franchise for anybody, regardless of what the franchise is, if it's a lawn care company uh, doing a franchise. I would not recommend it. Um, you can do the same, build your own brand, build your own dream, uh, and, uh, and do it on your own. There's the resources today on the internet, but you got to do your due diligence. You got to do the work, uh, but it's available to you, uh, so much information. And if I could do it pre sort of internet, Um, you know, before the sort of boom that's happening now, the amount of information, the amount of YouTube channels and stuff showing you stuff, you know, you know, if I could do my business building it up when, yeah, there was the internet. Yeah. There was some forums and stuff, but for the majority, it was still old school. It was still flyers and things like that. You know, if you could do it back then without the tools that you have available today, anybody can do it today. You know, just do some research, get in there, And you can learn everything you need to know about, you know, Facebook ads and doing the marketing stuff. I got so much information out there that all of those best parts that I liked about the franchise are still available to me just differently. That monthly meeting and all that sort of stuff, it's still available to me online through YouTube, through commenting on other people's videos and getting those comments back building that camaraderie, people commenting on my videos uh, through the, you know, social media through Instagram and all that sort of stuff. It's that same sort of thing, sharing that information back and forth. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, I just would not, um, recommend a franchise, um, and, uh, would not do it again. Um, but you know, everybody's different. So it's one of those things, ultimately, you got to decide for yourself. Uh, but from where I'm coming from, if, if you're that entrepreneurial spirit, if you've got sort of that vibe where you're thinking about marketing, if you, um, you know, really dig into that, you like exploring all that, then a franchise will only hold you back. If you're not into any of that, and you just want to get out there and mow lawns, and yeah, maybe think about uh, a franchise. But even then, I think you're gonna be disappointed because just based on my own experience of knowing guys in the franchise, and that was one of their biggest things, was once they even that type of a person who wasn't into the any of that stuff, didn't want to, have to do a website, didn't want to market themselves, didn't want to do any of that, they just wanted to work. But they would get to a point where they were full, they had all the clients they needed, and then that burden of that monthly payment just becomes Something that you, um, something that you just start to eats away at you because you're out there busting your chops, working away, and you're having to send them a check every month. And it's just one of those things that you just, it just kind of grinds on you. So, yeah, I, that's just my perspective, but you know, like I said, I'm kind of going by the experience of myself and seeing what those other guys, even those guys that didn't like to market, they would ultimately leave the franchise. It was, you know, because of that, they just didn't like the policies. They didn't like the restrictions and they didn't like paying the monthly payment after a while just becomes unnecessary when, after you build a client list, have to keep paying um, for that. Uh, It just didn't make any sense. So anyways, hopefully, uh, that answered your question, Jamie. Uh, Thank you again for sending that through. Uh, And uh, good luck to you in uh, your lawn care business. So uh, that's it for this one, guys. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.